Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 13, 2014, and today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 62 for review reading paragraph 1. Our focus share will be on paragraph 2, so our troubles, we think. Today's readers are Rabia M, 12 Step, Kathy W, 12 Traditions. Reading the text, Marcella M, Sylvia F, and Katie F. The reference number for Monday, May 12, 2014, is 6340. 6340. OA Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rabia M. to read the 12 steps. I am Rabia and I am a compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral and real selves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to amend to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you. I will now ask Kathy W. read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, this is Kathy W., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Manitoba, Canada. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose there is one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry it to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of property and prestige put us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, decline side contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought to be organized, but we may create service boards immediately responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain prominence at the level of press, radio, film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all, of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 62, and we will begin for review and context, paragraph 1, and continuing that reading for paragraph two for our focus sharing today. And I will ask Marcella to begin reading. Good morning, Marcella. Good morning, Melanie. Um, And good morning to everybody. Uh, Page 62, paragraph one. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-solution, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own make. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. About everything, we alcoholics must be rid of thisness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. 
Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying or our own power. We had to have God's help. So as I said, my name is Marcella. I'm a happy, joyous, and free, recovered compulsive overeating, um, living free of resentments and free of craving. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Vision, for you. So this is the most interesting paragraph. And when I first started studying it, I felt offended because my troubles, well, I'm overweight and uh, diets have failed. So that that is my trouble. And no, I don't think it comes. I didn't make this happen. And I have tried all the methods imagined in the world to lose the weight and keep it off, and it doesn't work. And no, I don't think that my troubles arise out of myself. And I really sincerely believe that I had one problem, and that my problem was that I still haven't found the right diet for me. And I very sincerely thought that that was my problem. So when it says, when, when this paragraph tells me that I myself will run riot, well, no, I, I thought of myself as a very composed, mature, sophisticated, traveled, educated person with a food problem. That's how I thought of myself. And um, so this notion that I have to get rid of my selfishness, excuse me, selfish, me, I thought of myself as the most generous, caring, and committed and reliable person in the world with a little food problem on the side. So at the very beginning, all of this notion that I'm a selfish person and that that's the root of my problem absolutely made no sense to me. And I said, like, what does one have to do with the jean size four that I want to wear? Like, I didn't make the connection with one thing or the other at all. But um, my sponsor was very patient to me, and she explained to me that um, I had to be abstinent. She explained me the meaning of abstinence. I, and then I realized that this line, this last line, that says that we um, we cannot lose our self-centeredness or our own power. Well, how many times have I been told that I'm powerless by now on page 62? I was told that I'm powerless over food on page 30. And then I was told that I need to search diligently inside of myself right there in the same spot where I have admitted that I'm a real alcoholic of the hopeless variety. So now it says right here that my problems arise out of ourselves. So as you see, I was full, literally, full of myself, right there where I should be connected to others and have power. So that it was just, I know it sounds very simple, but that's my experience. Where is the space for God? The space for God is in the physical, measured in feet and yards, from my alcoholic foods to my physical body. Just picture that. Picture yourself away from the fridge, away from the bakery, away from the cells and back. That beautiful physical space is where I'm going to connect. And that's where the higher power and the fellowship has its own little happy home. And what a happy life can be. 
So the farther away I am from my alcoholic foods, the closer I am to you and to the higher power. And that's what this paragraph tells us. Without help, we can't stay abstinent and we cannot happy, joyous, and free. I wish everybody a really, really happy, joyous, and free, completely away from the delusion that we can do this on our own. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read? Leanne. Hi, good morning, Leanne. Hi, Leanne, compulsive overeater, recovered in Florida. And um, I was really relieved when I read this paragraph. I, um, my disease had me in such a, a tight spot that I knew I was completely hopeless and selfless and selfish and self-centered. I really, really got that because I was so isolated. All I cared about was food, weight, exercise, and body shape. That's all I could think about. And when this paragraph said that that was my problem, I was, I was very used because it also said that God makes that possible. It's not totally impossible to be different. It's not impossible to think different. It's not impossible to have God take my mind and use it. And that was really the core of the beginning of my prayer. Now that this book was telling me that that truly was the deal, you know, it wasn't the fact that that I had this desperate desire to be super skinny, but I also had a desperate desire to have all the food in the world. That wasn't my problem. The problem was it was about, all about relief. I had to be taken care of before I could be nice. If I wasn't comfortable, I didn't have everything in order, my ducks in the row, and feel absolutely great, and you were going to get a backlash. I wasn't going to be nice to you. I wasn't going to have any time for you. I couldn't even deal with you until I got my fix. And that all came from selfish self-centeredness. Um, I used to hear the term I to self, you know, what does that mean? I couldn't even comprehend it. And we can't, there's no way to get rid of this without God's help. And so that began, you know, I started to pray. I started to be able to pray about this issue. And my hopelessness started to leave. And um, as I slowly progressed in recovery, I realized that I was um, thinking of others more. I was able to help somebody else, you know. And as I went through the steps, um, I saw a very big picture of who I was and what was making me tick. And now all my prayers are completely focused in the right direction. I know exactly where to put my prayer today. It's not God, God help me, God help me. Now, you know, it's like when I fall into that selfish self-centeredness, you know, my my steps teach me how to get out of it, what to do. Um, so this really a paragraph for me, and it's one of my absolute favorite ones in the whole book. I go back to that all the time when I find myself restless, irritable, and discontent. There's the answer. So thanks so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leanne. Who else would like to comment on what was read today? This is Bella. Can I share? Good morning, Bella, of course. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Yes, the same as other, my 
before the people shared, I too, I love this paragraph and there is much hope. And um, I will, I want to share about we had to have God's help. Wow, it's such a relief and it's such a freedom. And this is the answer for everything. What means to get the help from God? It's to accept and admit that I am human and therefore I am limited. I don't know everything. I don't know everything all the time. I am not perfect and Thank God I will never be perfect. I, I, I don't have to look to work for something that it will not be. I don't have to prove anymore to people that I am the best. No, I am human and I have my limitations and I accept and admit that I am powerless. I am powerless over the food. I am powerless over my husband's behaviors. I am powerless over my, my boss' behaviors. I am powerless. And, and I accept and admit that there is a higher power, higher than myself. And I am choosing to be connected to him and to be, to be connected with our fear without, without uh, having uh, to prove anymore that I am the best. I want to be connected to God. I know already that God is my loving father and my respectful king. I want to be connected to him. To be connected means, yes, to ask for help. Yes, I am very proud and very uh, peacefully saying, yes, God, I need your help. I need you. I want you. And then when I know and I feel that God is for me, I can face reality without fear, without fear to live in freedom. Thank you for letting me share. And I Thank you, Bella. Who else would like to share on what was read? This is Katie G. from Boston. I heard Katie G. And then I heard someone else after Katie. Can you tell me your name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth, good morning. Was there a third person? Paula. Paula, great, got it. So Katie G, Elizabeth, and then Paula. Thank you, in that order. Good morning, Katie. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning. This is Katie G, Recovered for today. Thank you, God. Compulsive overeater. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. I, you know what, when I first read this line, I would love to say that I thought that that was good information. Um, but when I got that, I was like, excuse me. But have you seen, have you met my parents? That was like my swan song, right? Like our troubles of our, are, are of our own making. But did you grow up in my house? There was always a but, right? Did you, did you have that thing happen to you? Did you, did you see what he did to me? Did you know that I was, that this happened to me growing up? And did you know this, this, this? And what I didn't know was that the problem is in my mind, right? The problem is is that I'm telling myself and everybody else that I'm a victim 
of my parents uh, parents raising me in the in the wrong way, right? So then I'm entitled to go through the world making people give me stuff, right? Like that's fair, sure. And um, that's who I was, right? Like you give me stuff, and you you um, and I'm entitled to that. You owe me because look at all this stuff. I mean, I spent years in therapy, and then I'm with therapy, rehashing, rehearsing. Like can, trying to convince someone else, but you know, look at the look at what has happened to in my life. I had no choice but to eat. Of course, I'm 228 pounds. Wouldn't you be? And um, it says to us, like, how do you think this is above everything? Like, not above everything. Above everything, we have to be rid of our selfishness. Why? Because we're gonna die if we don't. And for me. What that means is my way of thinking, Katie the victim, Katie not getting what she wants, Katie being owed, is going to kill me because ultimately I am going to ruin, which I did, every relationship, every job, everything, until my life is so small and eating is a step up from how I feel about myself. My life is so small and dark and I, I somehow deserve this oblivion, like my best thinking, you know, like the guy in the deserted barn who decides himself hopeless and he goes to this barn to die, right? And um, what the amazing thing is, is there's so much hope, right? Neither could we reduce our self-centered as much by wishing or trying on our own power. And for me, and I'll close with this, that's the mirror of steps four through nine, right? Like I turn my will and my life over to the care of God. I make that decision to follow through with more action with step four through nine. And God wakes me up. And what does he wake me up to? My self-centeredness, right? Like through the turnarounds I see, like what's my selfishness? I want you to behave in the way I want you to, to follow my standards. What's the lie that you owe me, that you should be behaving, behaving this way? What's the truth? Like God gave us all free will. It's not about me. And what's the fear? Like, if you're acting that way, I'm not safe, right? And then I pray to God, and that's a generic turnaround. But what I saw and what I continue to see as I do this work is how self is going to kill me. And um, I've been waking up, thank you, God, to my selfishness to the point where I have relationships where I think about other people. I remember other people's birthdays. I never knew anybody's birthday. I think about my family members. I think about how am I going to help my patients today. My primary purpose is to stay abstinent to help other women today, right? Like death of self must happen, and I have to stay engaged. Right? So if you're not sure that you're selfish, that's okay. Like that's where you're supposed to be, but we need to understand that that really is the core. If you're a true compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety, that's the core of my disease. It will kill me. And I take steps four through nine, and I live in step 10, 11, and 12 to continue to make sure that self doesn't kill me today. So grateful to have the privilege of for one more day today. Thank you, God, knowing that there is a solution for death of self that I've had. Thank you, Katie. Elizabeth D. Thank you. Elizabeth D., recovered compulsive overeater in Cincinnati. Um, this is probably my favorite two paragraphs in the whole book because um, this is where I find hope that I can change. We've been reading, as they're getting us ready, they, the first 100, every time I see the word we, I know that that means the first 100. Um, and so they're getting us ready for 
uh, our decision to make to turn it over to God. And on the previous pages, they are talking about the actor. And um, my problem was, you know, that I was the actor who wants to run the show forever, trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, and the rest of players in his own way, the rest of the players. That's why this paragraph means so much to me. I thought that um, I didn't believe or know um, that selfishness and self-centeredness uh, was the root of my troubles until I read it on page 62. And because I was so inf- uh, 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 impressed upon the fact that we means the first 100, 100 people agreed on every word in this, in this book, the first 164 pages, we means the first 100, um, they think that my trouble is selfishness and self-centeredness, and that's the root, and it, you know, it's the problem, and you know, I don't have any other problems. But I think I think it's because um, nobody will, you know, stand where I want them to on the stage. You know, I'm trying to arrange all the rest of the players in my own way and get to the second paragraph. So my troubles, they, the one, first 100, think, are basically of my own making. They arise out of myself. And I, the, the compulsive overeater, is the, an extreme example of self-will run right, though I usually don't think so. Um, this is the greatest statement of hope in the book for me because if my troubles are basically of my own making and they arise out of myself, then I'm really in error when I think that if I can get all the rest of the players to stand where I want them to stand and and do what I want them to do and say what I want them to say, um, I'm really in error uh, believing that that's going to make a difference. You know, this, this paragraph tells me in the first half that uh, nobody, absolutely nobody, has to do anything differently. Nobody has to change. Nobody has to quit drinking. Nobody has to quit anything in order for me to be or for me to be okay. And of course, it goes on to impress upon us that uh, the solution is God, um, which we can get to by taking the rest steps. Um, We don't get it by just making the decision. We have to follow it up by the action steps of four through nine. But but I can hang on to this hope that I can really, really, life can really be different because nothing has to change except me and my relationship with our power um, for me to be okay. And uh, that's why I, I love these two paragraphs and I think it's, this this first couple of sentences, actually the first sentence, is the biggest statement of hope in the book. Nothing has to change except for myself. And that is awesome because I can't get anybody else to change. I can't, no matter what I do. I've tried. I've, I've manipulated. I've tried everything. So um, at this point, I have to surrender because the only way, the rest of the paragraph tells me the only way I can do this is to have God's help. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Paula D.? Thank you. This would be Paul Recovered Compulsible Reader in New Hampshire. You know, it begins here, and I, I like the beginnings, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. You know, sometimes if you have a ball and you try to push the ball underwater, it's not going to go underwater. Push it all you want. Fluff it up. Put it in a different way. Step on it with your foot. That ball will always always arise 
unless it's deflated. Might have to be deflated. And that's what this told me. Self will run riot. He usually doesn't think so. How was I thinking with the drug mind, a warped mind? That's what I was thinking with. But I want to go to above. I know about below. But above everything, we alcoholics, oh, there's no must in the program? Come along in this sentence. We alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, again, or it kills us. And there's an exclamation point in many ways, the way you live, the way you look at life. And then it says, God makes that possible. I will end there. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Would anyone else like to share on what was read before we move Hello, on? Hello, this is Bill. Hi, Raquel. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. May I share, please? Yes, please. Yes. Thank you for your service, and thanks. And hi to everybody. You know, Paula just ended with God makes that possible. And for the longest time, I had an argument with another friend in program whom I love so much. That it looks to me that what makes possible, you know, there must be teachers on the line who will analyze the syntax here a little better than me, that uh, we must or it kills us. God makes that possible. What does, it, does he make possible? He makes possible both things. He makes possible for us to leave that self-centeredness, that self will run riot. He is the one and the only one who can make that possible, but he can also make it possible that he can kill us. And I had such an example yesterday. Somebody called me whom I haven't spoken about five years, and she was doing so well, and then the daughter got married, and she kind of fell off the horse. Um, with the abstinence, and she has such medical problem now, and she was so asking to come back and to work together, and I, I, I never saw somebody deteriorate like that because she was able to stop all the pills that she was taking. She was a walking miracle. Her, her doctors were amazed, and it's so sad. I, I know, I know that this disease can kill me. And God gave us free will, and it, it is possible to go both ways. We're standing at the, at the turning point all the time. In fact, every day when I choose to, and to beg for another day and to not rest on my, on my laws, it was a, a rude awakening. But God makes it possible both ways, and, and this is really the whole page is like um, has to be enlarged and framed, and I, I have to put it over my bed and to see it all the time. And I, I love you all, and I thank you for being there and for explaining things so very clearly. And I pass. Have a God-blessed day all. Thank you. Sylvia, would you please read the third paragraph? This is the how and the why of it. This is <clears throat> Sylvia, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in upstate New York. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, 
we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal, and we are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. And so this is the beginning of the simplicity of the directions. What do we, first of all, what? We had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Uh, and for me, that was, um, that was the simplest thing. You know, once, once I understood that there was a power greater than myself, you know, through, all throughout um, We Agnostics, where I finally could get that through my head, that, um, that I was not God, um, I could get that. And then it says, next, so this is a checklist, this is instructions. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama, God was going to be our director. He's the principal, we are his agents. He is the father, we are his children. This paragraph was a lot more difficult for me. Uh, I, so what I had to do is, I had, for me, I had to disregard some of the language. I can believe that I have a power greater than myself who is my director, and I thank God for that, whoever God, this greater power is. When I got into the language of he is the principal, we are his agents, he is the father, and we are his children, I'm not a Christian. I, but I could, I could say, okay, I can understand, and I can accept, and I can believe that there is someone going to be directing my life. There had better be, because I'm really making a muck of this. And I don't have to say that this is um, this is the father and we are his children. I don't have to get into that semantics. So, and then it says most good ideas are simple. This concept was the keystone of of the new and triumphant arch. And I, so I had to look up keystone. You know, I thought I knew what it meant. And it's two things that are. It's wonderful. It's the wedge shaped piece at the summit of an arch, regarded as holding the other pieces in place. So, And it also says something on which associated things depend, the keystone of one's philosophy. So I can't get this one. I'm not going to have a triumphant arch and through which we could pass through three, freedom. I've got to have this simple philosophy. I have to accept this. I am not God and God will be my director. If I can get to that simple idea, um, I'm going to pass through to freedom. And it's going to be freedom from food, and it's going to be freedom from uh, the, the selfish and self-centeredness that I flog myself with in my relationships with people. It gives me the freedom of all the monkeys in the brain that are having uh, you know, their, their committee meetings without my permission, and they're just taking up space. I'm, and it'll be freedom to be present for you, for my family, for my coworkers, for my neighbors. So it's, it's, this is freedom, freedom from myself. And I didn't realize until I got into program how crazy I was and how isolated I was because of uh, what is said here, of, of our troubles basically of our own making. With all of this craziness and um, and dialogue and uh, and conversation that uh, that was happening uninvited in my brain, I kept myself apart from others because I was always questioning whether I was better than 
uh, less than, if you liked me, uh, if I looked okay, if my work was good enough. I had a constant dialogue. If I can get to this, where I'm not in charge, principal, the director is in charge, and is going to direct who I, I'm supposed to be one day at a time, I can let that go, and I am okay. And I often come back to, you know, if I'm not feeling okay, if I'm afraid that you don't like me or my work isn't good enough, I have to ask the question, Who's saying that? And it's me. It's not God. And that's how I get back down to oh, give it back up to God. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much for the uh, provide service this morning. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Kim. Hi, good Sally. morning, Kim. And then Sally. Kim, then Sally. Thanks. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. You know, this thing I like. It says that truth will set you free, but first it's going to piss you off. And, uh, you know, that's really what these, these summary of these last couple pages, you know. I think of this, the pages. We were almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives were good. Is he not even his best moments of truth, confusion rather than harmony? Selfishness, centeredness, that is the root of our trouble. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. I mean, I remember when I really studied these pages, I really bristled. I was really off. I mean, I like to be the victim. I like to be the one that says that it's everyone else's fault. And when I started to look at these paragraphs and understand this was self-imposed, to understand it was my decisions that were throwing into motion all the misery of my life. It was my reaction to situations and not the situations that were causing me the pain. I was pretty annoyed. And when you put that all together in this one sentence, first of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. That was hugely deflating. First of all, I never thought I played God. And I have to tell you, for many years in Overeaters Anonymous, I would use step three as a way to play God. Because what I would do is say step three, saying turning my life and my will over to the care of God, I would give God a list of things that he had to do. So I was pretending I was God and I knew what was best and telling the list of instructions that he had to do in order for me to feel comfortable. But by reading these paragraphs, by really understanding that self is my problem, and that I would not be crawling my way into Overeaters Anonymous for the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth, or the seventh time coming back from yet another relapse, if things were working. So at this point, I've come to the conclusion that I am powerless over food, that my life is unmanageable, that I have this twofold, and I am screwed, because I'm going to be cured of obsessed allergy of the body, and that obsession of the mind, has, I have been proven by this food beating me into reasonableness, that every time, no matter what is going on in my life, I'm going to go to the food as a solution. And if I'm powerless, I need a power. And that's propelled me to this point to understand that what is working. And I'm going to make it to sit now to seek that power. Whereas I thought, you know, I have to tell you, I spent many years in a 12-step program, program working a three-step program. And what I mean by that is I did one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, thinking that the third step was all I needed to do. And we're being told here that I have to quit playing God. It doesn't work. So the third step is the decision 
to finish the rest of the steps. If I am in a 12-step program, I need to complete all 12 steps, and I have to make those steps a way of living. And the promise is if I do that, I will become recovered. I will have the obsession removed. And what happens if the obsession is removed? If the obsession is removed, I do not want the food. If I do not want the food, I do not pick up the food. If I do not pick up the food, I do not trigger the allergy. And if I do not trigger the allergy, I will not, in doctor's opinion, vicious all. But first, I had to admit that what I was doing wasn't working. And these pages have smashed that home. So I'll read over time. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. And with that, I passed. Thank you. Sally? Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, Envision for you. It's Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. So I love that the end of that last paragraph starts with, we had to have God's help, and then moves into, and this is how, and this is the why of it. First of all, we quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. And these are very powerful words for me. First of all, for, I'm just marvel that this program doesn't just do, doesn't just give me a diet and say, here, here's how you're going to lose that, that, that 100 pounds that you gained for the third time in your lifetime, Sally. Here you go. Here's your diet. No, it's incredible. This program is actually going to help me figure out what I was eating over, why I was binging, what was going on in my little pea brain. And so they're not just giving me step one, okay, I admit I'm powerless, okay, I'll take your diet, okay, I'll take your fixing this, I'll take the group support that you have to offer me. No, it's so much more. They're going to give me an opportunity to become reorganized, to become repeated, to have God help me to see what it was I was eating over. So when they say quit playing God, I'm reminded right away of the powerful words on page 98, job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. This was so me. I'm always in my rattling through my options. Can I go to my daughter? Can I go to my father? My doctor? Who can I go to? Never, ever think, oh, yeah, that's right, God. I could go to God. And, and the other thing I would say about this quit playing God, because honestly and truly, that was me playing God. That was me controlling all the circumstances in my life. If I wasn't controlling you, I was trying desperately to get control of this horrible eating behavior that was going on that was killing me. The other thing I want to say about this quick playing God is to bring you to page 20 on the bottom of the page, on the paragraph above the bottom paragraph, that says accept the key to relationship with God today. Accept it. Isn't that the opposite of me trying to fix it, control it, play God? Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done. I leave the results up to him. However it turns out, that's God's will for me. These are the tools I stand on. This is what happened to me, Sally, in South Jersey. Little Sally, the legs I stand on, accepting life on God's terms and surrendering the outcome of my day, whatever that looks like. That's me 
quitting the game of playing God. It didn't work anyway. I wasn't, I wasn't accomplishing anything. I was making a huge mess out of me and everybody who came in contact with me. And so deciding hereafter in this drama of life that God was going to be my director, wow, that was the ultimate surrender of my life, of my time, of my goals, of my day, and even of this program. Surrender the outcome. It works. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Hi, this is Ed Leia. from New York. Hi, good morning, Ed. And then I heard Leah M. Also, Ed, you go first, please. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm uh, Compulsive Overeater, New York. Uh, Ed is my name. Uh, I am not up to, well, I guess I'm doing steps one, two, and three. I'm reading the book with you, and I've had a sponsor, and we've been there, uh, but I have not been able to totally let go, but I am improving. Uh, the big book says those who stay, uh, the rest of those who stayed did get better, and this is the first time when I have a slip uh, that I'm not leaving. And so uh, I haven't left here since February. I'm reading the book and hearing meaning. So there is improvement. And I know I'm heading in the right direction, please God. One of the things I felt uh, just lately, which is really important uh, and, and significant, is that I've been a compulsive fixer. And uh, so all of my relationships were about me being compelled from my disease to diagnose people, uh, get out of my diagnosis. And that has improved lately. So lately I've been with people listening and talking, and to my horror, I find I'm bored when I'm listening. And so I, I realized and, and have been realizing lately that all that compulsive fixing was me and my self-will run riot. And so uh, the the idea that not only I'm impulsive, but that my life is unmanageable, is clearer than ever. And I just want uh, to share that I'm so grateful to find out that uh, this that that's, that's what I was, was a compulsive fixer. I've said it, I've been saying it for years, but now that I'm seeing I'm bored when someone else is talking and I'm not doing the fixing, it's like, whoa. <laughs> I was playing God, but God was, I was being God. I was just being in my sickness. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Leah M. Thanks so much, Mel, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. Um, You know, my experience with step one had made it clear that uh, I had no personal power (laughs) over uh, this disease whatsoever. Um, And, you know, the big book guided me in understanding that, um, you know, I was going to have to be repositioned, you know, that there was a God and I wasn't it. Um, 
here, you know, it's leading me in, in step three. You know, I'm being asked to make another decision, to have a relationship with that power. You know, all my life I had a relationship with a substance. always saw uh, ease and comfort with a substance. And even after identifying myself as a compulsive overeater and even after attending meetings and learning about eating disorders and learning about being a compulsive overeater, my own understanding and awareness of the disease never stopped me from compulsive overeating. You know, my history and my education had given me lots of information, and I had met a lot of interesting people and been exposed to a lot of interesting things about uh, eating disorders and uh, other related matters. But that was not a turning point. That did not change me. That didn't create a personality change or spiritual change. It didn't touch me underneath the underneath. In real self, the book here is lead me to a relationship with a power greater than myself. And, of course, it goes over different relationships here. It says director and actor and principal and agent and father and child and employer and employee. All these are relationships. I had been relating to the contents of a bakery box and a cellophane bag. You know, the uh, primary fact was that I had to recognize my total inability to form a true partnership with a human being or certainly with a power greater than self. But I needed that desperately because my basic flaw had been this faulty dependence on self or on people or on circumstances to supply me with a feeling of security, to supply me with a feeling of well-being and happiness and on and on. And of course, when I would fail to get those things according to my wishes and according to my demands and my specifications led me to be in constant conflict with everything and everybody. So no wonder the big book, you know, just told me, uh, you know, our troubles we think are basically of our own making. You know, I needed this personality change, this this internal change. You know, the big book teaches me that to get over compulsive overeating, it would require a transformation of thought and attitude. And it had to start with this kind of language that I had to stop playing God. It didn't work. Next, I was going to have to make a decision to move towards establishing a relationship with God. And was that going to be possible? Absolutely possible through the application of these steps. The book was going to be designed to bring about that experience for me. Can I have that experience? Yes, because as I move through the book from one page to the next, the book was going to help create that experience and establish that a relationship with a power greater than myself. This wasn't going to be uh, self-help. This was going to be the master's hand rearranging me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. We have time for one more share. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Sheila? Hi, good morning, Sheila. Yes, please do. You'll be our last share for today. And this is from New York, Overeater. Thank you for your service. And just wanting to check in and, and to share my feelings around this particular page. Uh, I too have spent a lot of time uh, blaming everyone and feeling and dressing in my victim's clothes. I did not like when I read this or that I played a part in it. You know, I had invested a lot of time 
and energy and, and blaming others and building up this wall of defense of why do I go to food for comfort and this kind of broken that, that broke that. If I'm going to be open, honest, and willing, and willingness is what I pray for every day, I had to admit it, you know, of course when you're doing your fourth step and the turnarounds, you look at turnarounds and say, done force before, but I had not done turnarounds before, so I consider the first time I'm doing them. Um, seeing my part in it, um, it wasn't a good feeling, I can honestly tell you that. It was a humbling uh, experience, but then after I got through the blame and the shame of you've kind of done this to yourself, you know, people have done things no one else has shared, people have done things to you or to whatever, you know, you've been through a lot, period, in your life, but that doesn't give you a path to continue living, um, dragging that around. It was almost like I was invested in dragging this around with me, wearing it. I was wearing it, the weight, you know, like you put clothes on. And um, so once I got through all of that and so well, you know, there is an option, you know, give the wheel to God and stop trying to run the show and stop trying to be the director of everything. And you might feel the relief and the relief that you're still seeking because it was obviously that the food was no longer giving me the type of ease and comfort that I used to think it was giving me before. And that was a very, very frightening feeling, you know, and that meant that I had to rely on God 100%, and that was scary for me. Um, and it's a day at a time, and every time I ask for his help, he answers. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you. And that has brought us up to the top of the hour here that it is time for us to close the meeting. Thank you to everyone who aired. We will now put the reading from the big book on 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will PDF please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day, man who is sick. Answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.